Uh, we have a great episode ahead on Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller here along with Robert Glasscock. We're going to kind of go into the weeds a little bit. I've got to tell you, whatever you've got going on in the background, you're going to want to kind of tighten your earbuds up or tone the noise down because this one's going to take a little bit of mental concentration. But we are going to talk about a couple of points in the chart that I've seen Robert use every time he does a reading. He actually pulls these and makes it a part of his slide presentation to the client. Specifically, we're going to start with midpoints, but that's also going to lead us over to the cousin conversation of harmonics in the chart. Robert, let's start from A, and hopefully we'll end up in the next 20 minutes or so at Z. All right. Midpoints. I was first introduced to them by a German astrologer named Reinhold Ebertin, who was a sort of offshoot of the German-Uranian astrologies back in the uh, 30s and early 40s. And his book was called uh, Combinations of Stellar Influences. And when it first came out, long before computers existed, it was sold with a transparent dial with some markings on it. So you could, it was a sort of homemade calculator, if you were, to to determine these midpoints between any two planets. Some of the value that I got from those, for example, if you have someone born, as I am, let's say, with the sun at eight degrees Libra, most of the astrology books, the cookbooks, will give you the same delineation for a sun at eight degrees Libra in that decanate and that dwad and so on. And then they will give exactly the same description for somebody born in any other year who happens to have their sun at eight degrees Libra. And you'll think, well, the suns are the same, and they're not. Because when you calculate the midpoints and you erect what we call a midpoint tree, you'll be placing the sun with its sign symbol beside it at the top. And then you'll draw a spine, just a straight line coming down from the sun. And then on either side of that straight line and, and connected with a little cross, cross line or crossbar, you will put the planets that the sun falls at the midpoint of. So you may have my sun, for example, falling at the midpoint of the distance between Jupiter and Uranus. And that's one kind of sun in the eighth degree of Libra. Somebody else born 20 years before or after me will have that, that same sun at eight degrees Libra, but it will be at the midpoint of that person's Saturn and Pluto, which is a whole other ball game. They're not remotely the same kind of sun because these midpoint placements that the sun aspects affect the life force. So a person whose life force is at the midpoint of Saturn and Pluto is likely to come out of a background that may be connected with phenomena like war, born during a wartime, some big, massive, collective Saturn-Pluto archetype, that sun. They may have been born during a depression, so that life is always perilous. It's always a search for money, food, and shelter, compared to this other guy 
who is born with the sun at the midpoint of Jupiter and Uranus, who's got nothing but great luck all of his life. Things happen to this guy that are so lucky. And if he's smart, he takes advantage of them and so on. So that's one of the values of midpoints is giving you such a... And each one of the planets that are connected to the sun by those midpoints... They rule houses that become integral to the life force, to the sun itself. Does it making sense, Thomas? Well, it does, but I've sort had of. experience with it. So I just want to make sure that the folks who don't have experience with this also have enough, uh, at least wetting the appetite, to be able to look into this more. I am not sure, as we're sitting here talking, and I guess we could take a look, but astro.com or astro-seek.com some of these online chart programs i don't know if they do midpoints or not oh that's a good question i haven't used them in a long time it seems to me that astro.com astro does use me will give you a a midpoint calculator i'll bet it does most and any good software program absolutely does even the program i have on my iphone ephemeris i think it's an add-on but you can still get the midpoint calculator that gives you exactly that so most yeah most astrology programs do it for you and the book that robert's talking about too the combination of stellar influences and that's reinhold r-e-i-n-h-o-l-d and the last name is ebertine e-b-e-r-t-i-n that book is still available. You can get it on Amazon. I'm looking at it right now. So if that would be a good addition if you don't have it in your astrological library. You want to start working with these midpoints. It definitely would be something that you would want to add. So what you're talking about here, now we, in the couple of previous episodes, we've talked about decanates and dwads, the subdivision of houses and signs, but now what you're talking about is a whole nother overlay that can add its own flavor and seasoning to that planet. Would you ever read a chart now without looking at the midpoint structure of those oh, key yeah. points? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It's the secondary thing that I do. But, for example, another wonderful use of midpoints. Uh, I, for example, have my... My sun opposite my moon, and that opposition is almost exactly square my Saturn opposite my ascendant. All right, well, these are a lot of squares and oppositions, and they they imply a lot of conflict in my life. True. Uh, how do you how do I resolve it? And astrology gives you the answer in the midpoints. Those are hard aspects, and I have them angular and cardinal, which makes them even stronger. So if I want to figure out, the I have the sun square Saturn. Let's put it there. And let's just let everybody know Robert's chart is in the notes, a download to it, so you can follow along here, okay? Okay, good. So I have a 90-degree aspect between my sun and Saturn. It's a square. It is ambitious. It's also an aspect of self-frustration if the person's not careful. So to solve it, I want to know the midpoint, which is basically 45 degrees between the sun or Saturn. So let's just say arbitrarily, I add 45 degrees to Saturn, which is 10 degrees. That would be 55 Cancer, which is the same as 25 Leo. That's the midpoint. That's the solution to my sun square Saturn. 
it's quote unquote other people's money, but that's the superficial thing. It's other people's self-worth. If I will mentally become aware that that's what I am doing with astrology is getting to the heart of a client's frustrations involving their self-worth, other people's self-worth, rather. That's what to respect that midpoint suggests, as opposed to being fearful, Saturn, square the sun, and afraid and defensive and concentrating on my self-worth and how wonderful I am, concentrate on other people's problems and their self-worth that they're bringing to the table when they come to you as a consultant, as they do to me. That's what to concentrate on. And that's what works in my life, to think about what the other person is undergoing, not my own role in that what's what's going on with them and and genuinely care about it which i do so you see how that works that these midpoints can help and the same works with trying between two planets i have uh the sun trying uranus for example well that's already a good aspect to have but if i want to improve on that i can take the midpoint and see where it falls between the midpoint of the sun Uranus, and then by the house and sign and degree where that midpoint is, I have a whole other clue of some things that I can incorporate into that sun Uranus, trying to effectively maximize it and and find fulfillment through it. So it gives you almost a third dimension using midpoints. Wow, I'm I'm blown away by your Saturn-Sun analysis of placing that midpoint right in the eighth house and you guys look at the chart if, if you want to follow along with this he put it in the eighth house across from the second house brought that self-worth over to the eighth as part of that value or the solution to the dilemma of what everybody would look at oh my god i was born with a sun saturn square you've got to be freaking kidding me right? <laughs> it's like, why am I here? But you're here to serve others. Now, the other thing that I would look at and put in there, too, that I'll bet you won't disagree with, is that you could just read the eighth house as the house of transformation. Well, it is. I so was thinking exactly you, that word. Yeah. So, you help people transform their lives, increasing their self-worth through your application and study and brilliant communication of astrology. And see, I was never aware of that. When I started out, like every other astrologer, I thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to know in advance what everybody's going to do, and they're going to flock to my door like a psychic reader who's always right. Well, how defensive is that? Because, of course, this doesn't work that way. And my natural defensiveness, which I have always had to be, uh, because I, I am... I think differently, I act differently, I have never felt particularly like I belonged uh, anywhere, but I do, I love people. That's that Cardinal Grand Cross. So I found that these midpoints, over time, I began, because I would hear it so much from clients, Thomas, this is, I still hear it today, my God, it feels wonderful when somebody says, this reading changed my life. That's transformation, and that's the midpoint of my son Saturn. And in fact, I have the sign of the life force on my eighth house. 
So I give, I hope, at this stage, I think I do, uh, through astrology, I give life in a transformative way back to people who have maybe lost their awareness of their own self-worth. I try and steer them back to that. Without astrology, could you have ever figured that out, do you think? No, never. Yeah. Yeah. Never. I wouldn't be alive without astrology. Now, here's the other thing not to miss, and I hope you guys are looking at the chart, because when Robert said that the midpoint between Saturn and the Sun, I mean, you can eyeball it and see exactly what we're talking about, is a very empty eighth house. So when you were saying that, I was looking at the cusp of the eighth house house, being Leo. I was like, okay, he's going to talk something about the Sun here, but there's nobody home. What's he going to say? (laughs) (laughs) And you just went to the meaning of exactly where the placement was. Well, another way you can do this, for example, if you look at, um, oh, I'm looking, let's say, at, uh, at Mercury in my ninth house at 24, Virgo, and Mars over there, it's technically in my 10th house, in equal houses, but it's on the ninth house side of the uh, midheaven. Anyway, it's a 22 Libra. Well, the difference is basically about 28 degrees. Divide that by 2, and you get 14 All right, so you add 14, let's say, degrees to my natal Mercury, which would give it uh, 38 degrees Virgo, which would mean 8 degrees Libra is the midpoint. Ha! My sun is exactly at the midpoint between my Mars and Mercury, which is the mind and actions. It's communication through my work, Virgo, through analysis and logic and reason and all of this that we use in astrology, and Mars in Libra of counseling, or the arts, which is the other thing I was in. And there's my son in Libra. So I'm always working with another individual or a, a team of people, like on a television show. So that, too, you see, you can begin to look at the aspects that you have and and get far more information. And and then you consider the house rulerships of of Mercury, the Sun, and Mars, and you've got some other house matters to incorporate in that same interpretation. So it, it adds a lot of richness and insight into what you're doing. Boy, it sure does. Let's jump over to the cousin conversation of this, harmonics. Harmonics. The easiest illustration of them, I think, is just the old technique, which you and I have talked about, that ironically enough, the degrees and minutes that the planets occupy at birth correspond to ages in years, one degree, four years. So at Jupiter, let's look at my Jupiter, at 14 and a half degrees of Virgo suggests in the ninth house that some kind of long distance trip changed my life significantly. Well, it did at 14 and a half. It also suggests by a multiple of 14 and a half, multiply it by two, and you get age 29 which, of course, is also your Saturn return, pretty much. And so that age was also, take my moon, for example, at three degrees Aries. So it's active at age three. It's also active at age six. 
and eight, age nine, every three degrees, my moon is active. So I have exactly that kind of mind. I bore easily and I need some kind of work or life that has inherently built into it a lot of change and variety. The last thing I want to do is sit behind a bank teller's cage for eight hours a day. I couldn't do it. So these archetypes are taken, these are harmonics. The same thing applies to aspects. I have a sun-moon opposition. How, how opposite? Well, five degrees. All right, every five years of my life, I will experience a sun-moon opposition archetype. Now, as I age, and, and I repeatedly experience that every five years, five, 10, 15, 20, by the time I get up to 50, age 50, I've experienced, what, 10 of them? So I, I know what they are. And you begin to get conscious of, even if it's unconscious, you're still going to be aware of it. So every five years, I have a sort of rebirth of my own mental, intellectual, astrological, creative impulses. So I'm starting a new project or a new career direction about every five years. So that's where I've heard you say in the past, with the harmonic study, you kind of bring numerology in. You're basically using these degrees. Yes, can't help it. It's just built into it. And it still amazes me that this works as well as it does. Age 22 is where my Mars is, for example. Well, I moved to Los Angeles right before I turned 21, and I won a scholarship uh, to the Pasadena Playhouse, the only full scholarship that they offered. And at age 22, I was working professionally in a repertory company and shooting my first film, Actors' Equity Card and Screen Actors' Guild Card at age 22. And there's Mars in Libra of the Arts in the 10th of career, and there I was. Now, they say Mars is a malefic. <laughs> Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. That's and why I've had my share of malefic bosses. Yeah, but <laughs> over, you know, that's, we read both sides, don't we? We yes. read it all. Oh, that's yeah. great! Wow, what a fantastic study. Thank you for this. I know we'll unpack this more in future episodes, but at least that gets you started looking at some things, and a lot of homework, and possibly an Amazon delivery to get you down the road of midpoints and harmonics. Thank you so much for listening to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast. If you'd like to talk with Robert directly, you can get a hold of him for reading through the notes, the show notes, that link to his chart as well. The Discord channel, don't forget about our YouTube. We are putting videos over on YouTube as well. We're going to be expanding that. So just a lot of stuff going on. We'll always keep you abreast of that in the show notes. So put an eye on that if you can. And if you'd like to share some love, a great way to do that would be to leave us a great comment, five-star review in iTunes. It really helps position the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We definitely appreciate you being here. You are our family. And we will see you next time on Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock.